Welcome to Horror Struck. What's up, horror babies? Welcome back to Horror Struck, a horror commentary podcast where we look at the genre through the lens of a diehard fan and of a scaredy cat. I am Riley Ott. I am joined by my co-host and best friend, Cecilia Delbert. This week, we took a look at Into the Dark's A Nasty Piece of Work, directed by Charles Hood. Spoiler warnings for A Nasty Piece of Work. You have been warned. Congratulations! Shut up. Wait, what? Wait, on what? (laughs) Wait, is there something more than what I was gonna say? No, I thought you were saying congratulations for hitting record. Oh! Like, why are you being so rude? We just started. I was was gonna say congratulations on getting Evan to go in the potty, (gasps) but but you thought I was just condescending you. Did you know that when I quit my other job, I lied to them about what I was actually doing? Didn't you say you were gonna nanny, but you didn't say, like, who you were nannying? Yeah, there was this really awkward moment where I had to put my two weeks notice in, and then I had to work with the owner, and he was like, I just want to ask one thing. Are you, um, going to be a nanny for Jen? Because Jen had also worked there, and she had just quit, and I was oh, like, Oh, yeah. No! What are you talking <laughs> about? Oh, man. So I've completely avoided any questions that they've had about that. I think that's fair. They don't need to know. No, I don't think they do either. But yeah, he pooped in the potty. He didn't do it today, but he did sit on it for like 20 minutes trying. So that was something. What a weird thing to have to like teach a child that you should stop just pooping when you're standing. You should sit down and poop. It made him panic. He started pooping yesterday and he was just crying because he didn't understand that he was sitting and doing it. And he stood up too early and I was like, you got to sit down. We're going to have a piece of shit on the floor. (laughs) I don't feel like dealing with that right now. Oh, yeah, that's funny. He did tell me today. While I was changing his diaper, he said, you're my best friend and I love you. I was like, that's the nicest thing you've ever said to me. But then he punched me in the eyeball like an hour later, (laughs) so. Merry Christmas. Oh my gosh, Merry Christmas. It's December, I think. When this comes out, yes. Yeah, in some timeline, it is December. (laughs) Some universe. Anyway, have you, what are you watching? What are you doing? Literally only watched the Creep Show holiday special today, so I'd have something to talk about. And it was a lot of fun. It was just a bunch of, um, like, Shapeshifters Anonymous. And so you think that's just going to be the whole thing is just, I couldn't figure out how it was Christmas besides that it took place during Christmas. But then you find out that the Shapeshifters' number one enemy is Santa Claus. It's Santa Claus. Oh my God, that's awesome. He is an angel of God. Hell yeah. That was made to destroy them. And when he couldn't gain the upper hand, he went to Satan to get the edge and it it was bananas, but like in the best way. It's a lot of fun if you haven't seen it. It's like 50 minutes. It was actually really funny. They have a really good group dynamic going with the Shapeshifters Anonymous group. And it just kept getting crazier and crazier. Um, it sounds very fun. Is Santa in this universe still Santa? Like the dude who delivers presents? Yeah. But now he's also fighting Shapeshifters? Yeah, and his minions are all the mall Santas. Oh my god. That's a great twist. It does sound very fun. It was bananas. Did not see it going that way, but my goodness, it was a lot of fun. Uh, Yes. What have you been watching? 
I think the only other thing I've watched, I have not watched any movies that I can think of, but I did watch the first two seasons of Channel Zero that you had recommended forever ago. Yeah! First season, really liked it, thought it was great, very creative and weird. Yes. Second season, it was okay. It was not my favorite. I think, um... I just like how weird they are. What the hell's the guy's name? Uh, plays the dad. Yeah. Yeah, I can't remember... Like John Carroll? What his... Yeah, he's great. He's really, really good in the show. I liked him a lot, so I think it was still worth watching. The end scene with the pool really made me cry. And I was just like, ugh, it was just Yeah, so you sweet. cried in both of these, and I, I'm i a big crier, and I didn't shed a single tear. Yeah, I'm really surprised. It's because I told you. I shouldn't have told you ahead of time that I cried. I mean, listen, I cried while I was making dinner, and I literally couldn't figure <laughs> out why. I realized it was happening and went, why am I crying? And then just stopped. So my brain is broken. Ah, that's what I like to call the Cloud Atlas response. I don't get that reference. Brandon and I went and saw Cloud Atlas when it was in theaters. And there was a moment in the movie where we both turned to each other and we were both crying. And he was like, why are you crying? And I was like, I don't know. Why are you crying? He's like, I don't know. (laughs) Oh, wow. That, it must have been something intense though, because Brandon never cries. It was something really beautiful. Anything else? No, I haven't even read a book recently. All right, that's all for me. Yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's all that's happening in our lives. So Merry Christmas, Happy all holidays. you horror babies! Don't cancel me. We watched this week another installment of the Into the Dark movie franchise. What do you consider it? Installment, I guess. Another installment. It's like a banner name and then people just make like hour long films to go underneath of it. Yes, because it's not set up like a like an anthology series on Hulu. It's set up as separate films. So I guess a new installment or another installment would be the proper wording. Yeah, Into the Dark. A nasty piece of work, which is one of their holiday movies. It's the highest rated Into the Dark installment on IMDb. And I have a feeling you didn't like it. (gasps) Why? I loved it. You liked it? I loved it. Okay, thank God. It was so funny. I was getting worried because you were being very vague. That's because you're always very vague. And so I was like, I got to be more vague. So it's more fresh on the podcast. No, I really liked it. I thought it was acted really well. I thought the story was a lot of fun. I guess the very like last twist, I guess. Did you? Like his wife was going to become the CEO. How did you guess that? Well, I didn't guess necessarily that she was going to become the CEO, but they got in there. I'm like, she's going to get offered the job. She deserved it. Yeah, she did. She's awesome. But oh my God, so many twists and turns. So much fun. Uh, Yeah, it's a blast. It's so much fun. I love this. I had watched a couple Into the Dark things. Like we watched Midnight Kiss last year. And I know I've seen a couple with one of my friends. And she said, hey, watch this one. It's really good. The other ones I've seen kind of suck. So I gave it a chance months ago, like when it wasn't even the holidays. It is so much fun. And I think I like it this much because it reminds me of Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf on purpose, I'm pretty sure. 
And that's my favorite play. So this was just that times 10. I loved all the characters. I loved the story. I loved the ending. I just, God, what what a fun ride. The only thing that I think is a flaw in the movie is I think the stakes start a little bit too high. Nah. (laughs) No? Okay. (laughs) Um, I think they could have eased us in a little bit more, but I still love all of the acting, especially Molly Hagan, who is just fucking hilarious in this movie. And Julian Sands is in this too, and he was in um, Arachnophobia, which we covered. But thankfully, he's got a much more interesting role in this. Yes. Oh, very, yeah, a lot more. Yeah, I think everyone fits their part really well. I think it is acted really, really well. It's very funny. It's very fun. And it's short. I think it's like an hour and 10 minutes, maybe. Yeah. Which is perfect for this story. It does not, it honestly probably could have condensed down to like a 50 minute episode of something. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I still can't get over the fucking actor who had for three years to play a car accident victim. He plays it really, really well. That was my favorite twist of the whole movie. Oh, I absolutely did not see that coming. It was so funny. Once you realize what's going on, it is. In the moment when it's happening, it's so uncomfortable. But yeah, we'll talk about all the the twists and turns because there's quite a few. I don't think I have anything else to to talk about up top. Up top now. Yeah, let's just jump into the plot. Yeah, let's do it. What happens? So our movie focuses around a very, very hardworking employee. His name is Ted. One of the frameworks for the movie is uh, they frame it around the Falcon Heart Ventures rules for success. And so that's how the movie starts. You get this title card. And then the first rule is to show initiative. So Ted is definitely showing initiative. He is a very overworked hardworking employee he literally ran to get his boss's clubs because his boss vaguely mentioned playing golf and as soon as he gets gets there he gets berated because he picked the wrong ones yeah they're just setting it up immediately as this is a boss who you literally cannot please you know devil wears prada oh yeah what's her name miranda something yeah miranda basically yeah her. And they also do a good job of setting up Ted versus, I just kept calling him Aths. What's his name? What's <laughs> Gavin. His? Gavin. Which I love because the actor who plays Gavin, Dustin Milligan, he is in Schitt's Creek. Oh my god, that's Ted in Schitt's Creek. I didn't even realize until right now. He's so nice on that show, I didn't even connect it. He plays the perfect asshole who will do whatever it takes to get ahead, whereas Ted still has a little bit of a soul. Dude, Gavin is such a kiss-ass. And he is. He's such an asshole. Oh, yeah. And Ted, you can tell, definitely has a lot of intense emotions just from the first scene, because after he realizes, holy shit, these are the wrong golf clubs, he, he has a little bit of a meltdown. Yeah, he goes into the bathroom and smashes a mirror. So that's what happens when you bottle everything up. I don't understand at this point, though, how is he not just fired? He must do a good enough job with everything else that, like, the mirror isn't that big of a deal. Well, and his boss is also a sociopath, so he probably enjoyed it. You find out that he and his wife, they actually view the mirror thing as, like, an interesting thing. As opposed to, like, a red flag of a man having a mental breakdown not a fireable offense just a ooh, that's intriguing wonder what else he's willing to do yeah and i love that we get the second rule 
for the Falcon Heart Ventures rules for success, which is don't hold anything back. And that's when Ted breaks the mirror. Which is really one of the only times we don't see him not hold back. Is that a double negative? What did I just say? This is one of the few times you see him really just let go. Okay, that's a better way to phrase that. Thank you. He tries to be very reserved in his normal everyday life. And then we get the Christmas party and we find out at the Christmas party... Everybody is waiting for Christmas bonuses. Their boss, Steven, comes out and says, You know what, guys? We've talked about it. You know, bonuses are one of the reasons why so many companies go under. And so our executives, no bonuses. They're not getting any bonuses. Can't ask our executives to do something I wouldn't expect of the entire team. So I've decided to suspend all bonuses to the entire company this year. We will all bite the bullet together as any family would. What a dick. There's an obvious difference between equality and equity, and this is a a great example, is the executives are probably making, what, three times as much as anyone lower in the company all year round? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't really need the bonus. No, absolutely not. And then there's people like, you know, Ted and Gavin and whoever else works the lower tier jobs that probably need it. God, he's such a dick. Julian Sands does such a good job of just playing a fucking dick. He does. It reminds me a lot of Christmas Vacation. I haven't seen Christmas Vacation in a while. During the whole movie, um... Oh, yeah, yeah, that's the thing. He's, like, trying to get the bonus from the... Who plays his boss? Yeah, he's he's waiting for his bonus because he's gonna build a pool with it, and then he gets the jelly of the month. And they make a joke about it because, because Steven says something like, you know, some people might not give you cash bonuses, and some companies might give you, like, a, like, a, some sort of jam or something. He says something like that, and I was like, I get it. Yeah, and then Ted's like, at least we could eat the fucking jam. Steven ends his speech by stating the Falcon Heart motto, which is brave solutions, steadfast commitments. You think Ted's going to go outside and push his boss off the balcony because he calls his wife and's like, I'm so sorry. And then she's like, what are you doing? <laughs> and then he walks outside. But as soon as the boss turns, he, you know, loses his nerve. He should have done it. The movie would have been a whole lot shorter, though. Steven tells him that the company is creating a new position with all the bonus money. That was the real reason why nobody got bonuses. Steven invites Ted and his wife to come to his house for dinner. If your company is suffering that much, why would you add a position? It doesn't make sense. I don't think their company is actually struggling. They just said that some other companies have gone under because of bonuses. It's just a way of deflecting. Well, it's also a way to get him to the house because I don't think the position was actually real up until the very end. Yeah. Yeah, so Ted goes and he picks his wife up. Her name is Tatum. She's very supportive. I love her. Yeah, I like this actress a lot. I know I've seen her in stuff, but I cannot place her. Uh, most people will probably recognize her from Westworld. She had a pretty prominent part in that. Uh, the actress's name is Angela Serafin. Okay. I never watched Westworld. You should watch the first season. I'm not watching any more shows. Uh, okay. <laughs> you should watch Doom Patrol, though. I It's on the list. It was already on the list. It's just long, so I, I don't want to yet. I love Doom Patrol because it's probably one of the weirdest shows I've ever seen on TV, but it's still very heartfelt. I love weird shit, though. I mean, they make you care for a, a street that is somehow alive. That doesn't make sense. 
I'm gonna dislike it out of spite. You won't dislike Danny. Who's Danny? Danny's the name of the street. All right. Anyway. Oh, yeah. He picks up his wife, and then he's very rude about her earrings. They're festive. They're snowflakes. Fuck off, Ted. But then everyone's rude to her the whole time, so whatever. Yeah, they arrive at the party. They find out that the only other people that were invited are Gavin and his wife, Missy. They go inside. Tatum immediately turns to, like, the person who's taking her coat to be like, oh, hi. Steven's like, don't talk to the help. Oh, my God. Yeah, they're just classic shitty rich people. Like, our maid's not a human being. Yeah, and Steven is so much nicer to Missy than he is Tatum. He's like, I like the bimbo. He's kind of playing a role. Yeah, it's like this weird, like, nagging her and hitting on... It's it's who's afraid of Virginia Woolf. When you first get there, it's the weird, like, them flirting with the significant others and, like, trying to make them jealous just to get a rise out of it and see how far they can take it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and you see the people in the window when you first get there. Oh, yeah, there's people upstairs that are kind of looking out. And when Ted mentions that, they're like, no, there's nobody upstairs. Don't worry about it. Yeah, there's no one else here. The help's all downstairs. You're crazy. Right off the bat, Stephen and his wife, Kiwi, they are all over Gavin and Missy, like to the point of where I was like, do they swing together normally? That's what it feels like. I wonder if that's what they thought when they first got there too. It's like, are we here for a swingers party to like fuck the boss's wife? Probably. The tension between Steven and his wife, Kiwi, is very high. They clearly don't like each other. Like, there's a moment where Ted's is trying to make conversation, so he points out an antique gun on the wall, and Steven gets really excited about explaining, like, what it is. And Kiwi goes, Oh, good Christ, Steve, why don't you just advertise your erectile dysfunction? Oh, my God. So awkward. Well, between that and then he's like, uh, what about these, like, swords or whatever? These Confederate swords? Oh my god, yeah, that was a a detail I didn't need added. That's a little sus. Ah, a Confederate cavalry officer's saber used only once. Really? When was that? On our wedding night, when Kiwi removed my testicles. She thought that was hilarious, though. I think it's very funny that Missy tries to assert her intelligence over Tatum. Does not go well. Missy and I took our honeymoon in Rome. In Rome? Yes, dear. It's a town in Italy. It's a city, but I won't hold that against you. I think they could have done that part a little better, because that's just semantics. Like, you're not that smart. But I see what they were trying to do. And Missy is a dumbass. Like, you can tell through the whole thing. She's like your classic trophy wife. And, yeah, gets called that. And I think the next scene, basically, Gavin's like, I only married her because I need a hot trophy wife to go with my image. Oh, it's so awkward. It's so uncomfortable. Yeah, they go from having drinks to having dinner. Still very awkward. They talk about global warming for a second. I thought that was pretty interesting because Gavin doesn't know how to respond to global warming. And Steven's like, yeah, global warming is terrible. It's awful. He was trying to feed him the answer he thought he wanted. because like, old rich guys don't believe in global warming. It's a lie, right? And then Steve's like, well, what about how it would affect me personally as an old rich white guy? Steven, Missy, and Gavin are talking about global warming. The other end of the table, Kiwi, Tatum, and Ted, they're like chatting. And Tatum just gets to a point where she's like, you know, Ted works really hard. He stays late every Friday night. So she's trying to like put in a good word for him. Ooh, that kind of backfires later though. What are you doing Friday nights, Ted? 
we get a little bit of foreshadowing because Missy has to go to the bathroom. So Kiwi is like, I'll show you to the bathroom. And she mentions that, yeah, a bunch of murders happened in this house. There was like some guy living in the walls. Anyways, have a good pee. She's definitely fucking with her, right? Like, that's hilarious. Oh, yeah. And then there is someone in the wall. It's fine. We get rule number three, which is be prepared for anything. And this is the awkward scene where Kiwi, the boss's wife, asks Tatum to make her drink. And then she grabs Ted's crotch. Just fully grabs his dick, like in plain sight of his wife. Yeah. And then Steven and Gavin are chit-chatting about Missy because she went off to the bathroom. You you, you can't have the sports car and and the fancy clothes without a trophy wife with a spectacular ass, right? (laughs) But, but, But the thing is, she thinks she knows more than I do. So I gotta sit there and listen to these pearls of wisdom from a dingbat. I feel kind of bad, but they're both pretty terrible, so I think they kind of deserve each other. Yeah, they really do. Gavin's so dumb to not realize that that was a trick, though. He's like, lean in close to me and say bad things about your wife, please. Did Missy already come back? I think she comes back, like, right before everything happens, because doesn't she grab him and then he, like, jumps up and they're like, we gotta go. Once Kiwi grabs... Ted. Ted stands up and Steven gets mad so he takes a gun off the wall and then he shoots Kiwi and she dies. Yeah, he just shoots her in like the side of the head, I think. And then rule number four, don't see the problem, see the solution. They're kind of all standing staring at each other because the fucking wife just died and Tatum's trying to call the cops and everyone's like, no, 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 don't do that. And then they essentially just go back and forth like, okay, how, how can we cover this up? How can we explain this? Gavin is really bad at it. Ted is making much more reasonable uh, alibis. Yeah, what was Gavin's? He was like, she shot herself. They're like in the side of the head with a shotgun. And then he was like, well, we should just chop her up and bury her. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah, he fully offers. Like, I could just chop up the body and bury it for you. Like, at this point, you're going too above and beyond for your job. You should probably just quit. Tatum looks at Ted and she's like, don't do this. We need to sleeve. We need to call the cops. But instead, he's like, okay, Steven was on sleeping pills because people do weird things on sleeping pills. And we'll say that she was drunk and you can't really remember what happened, but it was an accident. Oh, one of the other things that Gavin says is, oh, we could say you were cleaning your gun. He goes, what at one in the morning after a party? The best time to do it. That's how you know it's definitely a murder. Uh, but then you find out, hey, guess what? She's not dead. It was a prank. It's so fucking funny when she gets up. Gets up and starts laughing. I think she's my favorite one in this whole movie. She's so fucking funny. She's crazy. Yeah, she's nuts. Very unhinged. And you find out that this is all secretly a part of the job interview that Steven is doing to fill the new position he created. And he's decided that it's between Gavin and Ted. So the rest of the night is going to be spent testing them to see who who deserves the job? Like I said, I feel like the stakes were set a little too high. I love this scene. I think it is hilarious. I love the the uh, switcheroo. But it, it could have been a little um, 
I don't know, they could have made him work for it a little more and not just revealed, oh, this is a job interview. But I guess it, it is fair that it makes them kind of question what's real and what's not, like what they're actually lying about and what they aren't. So I think it still definitely works. Tatum is still not happy, but everybody continues on to the next part of the night. They go to the library. I can't remember who says it, but somebody says, Gavin, it's for books. And it made me (laughs) laugh so hard. Oh, man, that man has never read a book in his life. The next part of the interview is that Ted and Gavin have to explain why the other does not deserve the position. Basically, talk shit about each other is the next segment of your interview. Yeah, Gavin does a really bad job rebutting, but Ted's is, whew, his is good. I think under the suit and the haircut, there's nothing. Do you know the name of the guy who comes around with the catering cart at the office every day? No. Does that mean I don't have a soul? It's Ronaldo. Guillermo. From Ecuador. El Salvador. Same thing. Oh, his is really good. Gavin sucks. Like, you you know Gavin sucks, and then you hear this, and you're like, God, Gavin sucks even more. And then Gavin just, you know, calls Ted a pussy. Yeah, that's really all he had. You can't hire him. He's pussy. Which I guess if you're a businessman you don't want to be because they're all a uh, bunch of dicks apparently you want a patrick bateman and not a i don't have another example i think steven says no it's gavin gavin says regardless ted does not stay late to work on fridays i know because i stay late on fridays and he's never there uh so that'll come back around oh ted has a secret steven decides that He's going to play the message that Gavin said about Missy, where, like, she's just a trophy wife and he doesn't even really like her and she's bimbo. Upsets Missy, who then runs to the bathroom. Oh, this whole scene is so uncomfortable of her in the bathroom. I don't like it. Yeah, Stephen comes to apologize. He's like, I'm so sorry you had to hear that. Uh, But if you really want Gavin to get ahead, you'll give me a kiss. She reluctantly gives him a kiss, and then she's like, and then Stephen says, The things I've done to get where I am would make you blush. Hmm. Now, Missy, girl like you, you know how it goes from here. And he pushes her head down, and then she flees, because, uh, he, oh, gross. Gross, gross, gross. I'm very proud of her for not giving in to this creepy boss. Yeah. Because, you know, some people would. Do you seen Bombshell yet? That's a movie. And Fox News needs to go off air. <laughs> no, I haven't. I actually really liked it. Missy runs away from the blowjob proposition, and right away, Kiwi knows that her hubby did something bad. She can tell that Missy's upset. I love this scene because when the boss comes back in, Steven comes in, he's like dancing. Oh my God, he's such a dick. He just doesn't stop. Well, when you're a monster and you are manipulating all these people and it's working great, I'm sure he is having a great time. Kiwi holds up the gun. Gavin goes, do you think we're dumb? you think we would fall for the same thing twice in 10 minutes? And they're like, hold up your hand. And he does. And then Kiwi shoots him in the hand. And it is a real bullet this time. Tatum is like, we need to call 911. We need to leave. Gavin tells her no. Right as Tatum is grabbing Ted and they're leaving, Missy uses the R word. And Tatum decides to stay. So mad. She does not want Missy and Gavin to get the position because they're fucking assholes and they don't deserve it. I mean, honestly, 
let them have it. Go work for a company who doesn't work for a man who makes you play, like, the, what's that short story called? The Dangerous Game or something? Oh, yeah, The Most Dangerous Game. Yeah, work for someone who doesn't do that, that isn't hunting you for live sport. But yeah, I wouldn't want someone who was saying slurs to, like, be high up at a company, but, you know, what can I do about that? Kill them. That's what you can do. Kill them, Ted. That's what we've learned from this movie. Apparently. The gang goes outside and they see Steven and Kiwi screaming at each other. Kiwi has wrapped a scarf around a statue that she plans to push into a pool to drown herself. Steven's like, you're not gonna fucking do it. You're a coward. And Tatum's like, I'll go over and talk to her. Calm her down. Yeah, because you find out that Tatum's like a mediator for an insurance company. And he's like, can you go mediate with my wife? (laughs) And maybe give that statue a little shove. She goes over and has a chit chat with Kiwi. And then Kiwi says, my feet are wet. Go get me a towel. So when Tatum goes in to get her a towel, she gets grabbed. (gasps) But by who? Some guy in the wall. Who cares? There's just murder in the wall. Who cares? It was funny because at this point I was like, it's their son. Their son's not dead because they said their son had died earlier. Their son is still alive. He's living in the walls. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. It's like the boy. Yeah, I guess we should have mentioned that, that they keep referencing something tragic that happened to their son, which is, I think, what did make me think of Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. Is this just, is this why I like this movie so much? It's just the same story, but now there's guns. Rule number five, adapt or perish. Once Gavin had been shot, Stephen, like, oh, take this pill. And he takes it. There was some talk about first aid. Yes, I was waylaid by this impromptu performance of Lady Macbeth. Meanwhile, take these. Uh, Where are they? I don't know. I found them under a sofa cushion, so they must do something fun. So, Gavin is high as fuck. Oh my god, he's so loopy. He has a very funny scene. He's looking at this knight's armor, and Steven goes, just go ahead and put it on. And he does. He's so excited. Yeah, do you have a horse? I feel like I should be sitting on a horse. Oh my god, I love him. He's so funny. He's really good in this movie. And then they find out that it's... It's not just somebody's going to get a promotion. It's somebody's going to get a promotion and someone's going to get fired because their job is getting terminated. Stakes are are higher again. You either leave with a job or you leave jobless. I mean, at this point, if I leave with my life, I'm going to be lucky. Ted speaks up and the wife slaps him. Oh, yeah. He says something about... Oh, about he doesn't even think the sun is real. Yeah, and she's like, how dare you? And slaps him. Gavin's just like, I would do anything for money. And they're like, would you kill your wife? And he pauses for way too long. Yeah, he starts asking like, well, what is the exact circumstance? Yeah, is it like one lump sum or is is it like a yearly salary? (laughs) Yeah, how many millions do I get if I murdered my wife? Steven goes into a story about how important sacrifice is and that his sacrifice was ultimately his son because his son was going to boarding school, but all he wanted to do was see his dad. And so he got in a car and made it like a mile down the road and then got in an accident and died. Oh yeah, and this is when Ted is like, this is bullshit, you're a liar, what did he swerve out of the way because a cute like bunny was on the road or something? Tatum's just mad because she's like, why the fuck are we still here? We need to leave. And she's mad at Ted. Gavin is high as fuck looking at this hammer on this anvil. And Steven goes over 
and says, you can either be the nail or you can be the hammer. Kind of just gives him a nod and Gavin picks up the hammer. Not going to be great. What could go wrong at this point? Yeah. Ted at this point has run out to start the car so they could leave. And when he is going out to the car, he sees a figure he sees it at the top of the stairs. So he goes upstairs to figure out what it is. And at this point, I'm like, okay, it's clearly the sun. The sun is not dead. Gavin kind of follows him up, hits him with the hammer, which turns out to not even be a real hammer. Just It's just made out of wood. It does some damage still, though. Oh, yeah, he's very bloody. But Gavin expected it to kill Ted. It does not kill Ted. And then Gavin proceeds to chase Ted to try to kill him. Oh, my God, yeah, he grabs, like, this big statue and just starts chasing him around the, like, balcony in the stairway. It's so fucking funny. And at the very bottom of the steps, Steven is waiting with two guns. He's like, one of them is has live rounds and one of them does not choose wisely. We get rule number six, go for the jugular. Ted finds out he shoots to the side. He has the real gun, but in the end, can't kill Gavin. Um, he just can't bring himself to do it. And Ted is to a point where he doesn't believe anything that's happening. That is the moment where Steven looks at Kiwi and goes, go wake him up for the guests. Ugh, uh things get real awkward there is a clearly handicapped well what looks to be a handicapped man in his like 20s who is being controlled like the chair his wheelchair is being controlled by kiwi and it's just being driven around at one point they tell missy to get on his lap she does it but she doesn't like it thank god missy has like an ounce of a soul and she's like this is so uncomfortable don't make me do this to this poor human being it's really really fucking awkward jim is just like a little prop for them and they're like yeah this is our son jim that's when ted goes his name's not jim it's daniel and ted tells his story about how He hit somebody, he was driving late after work, trying to drive to the, I think to the mansion to get something. And I was trying so hard to get noticed and get ahead. I guess I was probably driving too fast. And Daniel was riding his bike. It was dark. I never even saw him. I just heard the thump. And that's what he's been doing with this Friday night. Is he goes and visits the poor, poor boy that he handicapped uh, and almost killed. Do you tell someone that? You've been together for, what, three years? I don't... How do you bring that up? Gotta be real drunk for that. I guess so. So as he's telling the story about Daniel being on a bike, I think it's Gavin who goes, well, was he wearing a helmet? <laughs> Oh my god, yeah, he's like, well, if you have a good lawyer and he wasn't wearing a helmet, was it really your fault? Yeah, it's it's really, really fucked up. They want Ted to kill Daniel. He's like, no, and then Gavin gets the gun, and he's like, fuck you, Ted, and shoots, but the gun doesn't go off. Oh, thank god, because he's, like, got it pointed right at Ted's chest. Okay, so earlier it wasn't, we didn't learn that they were able to control the guns. We learned that there were blanks in the gun. Now we learn that Steven has the ability to turn them from live to blank. Is this a real function? I No, no way. Okay, it can't be. 
Ted was so dumb. This was very clearly going to happen. Um, they do the whole shoot at the wall, shoot at the person, shoot at the wall, shoot at the person. Except when Ted points the gun at Gavin and he assumes it's not going to go off because they are showing everybody the function of the guns. It goes off and he shoots Gavin in the shoulder. I mean, Gavin deserved it. It's fine. Okay, Ted, this is the chance. Kill Gavin. You have the you have the live gun. Kill him. Kill him. Tatum has taken a lot of shit this night. She's to her breaking point. I know how to solve this problem. I'm a mediator. I will solve it by murdering. So she takes the gun out of Ted's hands and shoots Steven. Brave solutions. Steadfast commitment. Daniel stands up and goes, what the fuck? Uh, he's an actor. And then Tatum shoots Kiwi, and then a bunch of masked people show up. Old white men in masks. Oh yeah, because they're in the the masks you see earlier. They have a wall of like masks on their on their wall. And Stephen makes a rude joke about his wife having plastic surgery, and that's when she starts to actually get upset. So this explains the like people in the walls. It's actually like the executives of the company. This was some sort of weird like game enjoyment they were watching it's the executives one of them is like well we just gained like 40 million dollars because we don't have to pay this asshole and his wife who keeps draining expense accounts and they're like oh this was a game but since he's dead there is technically an executive position now right and they're like oh shit good point i think that's what ted says he says so you're saying there's actually a position open they're like huh yeah and then all the white guys go it's a christmas miracle and they shake the hands of everyone left alive um because they're just really happy that they saved all this money oh and right before this the actor who was playing daniel ran out and he's like i had to pretend to be disabled for three years oh my god yeah and he's like well there was like a 90 percent chance that ted wouldn't kill you it's fine. Oh my god, though. When they're all like, it's a miracle, and the Christmas music starts playing, it's so fucking funny. It's a miracle. A Christmas miracle. Truly, a Christmas miracle. <laughs> it's so funny. And who gets the job? Tatum! She deserves it. She went through hell. Oh my god, that night was a mess. So not only does she get a she get to be an executive now, but Ted and Gavin both got to keep their jobs, so that's good. Ted got off really well because I assume he's still with her, so he's the CEO or whatever the hell she is now. So they're both they're making bank. And that's how the movie ends. It is goofy as hell, and I love it. It's so funny. It's so well acted. The tension is great. They use it so well to such comedic timing. This like awkward tension of this terrible, terrible like business dinner. Yeah, they give you whiplash because there are times where it's genuinely very uncomfortable. But then the reveals are so worth it. You're like, oh my god, these people are nuts. You don't know what's really happening because you're like, I don't know what's a prank and what's not. And this was my second time watching it, so rewatching it was also very fun, knowing what's actually coming. Yeah. I really like this movie. This is a good, fun Christmas movie. It's a good light watch. Yeah, highly recommend. Yeah, I would recommend it. I did recommend it. Do you have anything else to say? Should we jump into ratings? Let's jump. You jump, I jump, Jack. All right, so general ratings. I would give this movie a... Oh, oh, uh, I'm gonna give it... 
uh, I'm, I'm stuck between a 3.5 and a 4. I really enjoy this. I'm going to give it a 4 just because I think it's acted so well. It deserves that extra half point. So 4 out of 5 for me. It was just a lot of fun. It was exactly what I wanted. No, I agree completely. I'm going to give it a 4 out of 5. I think it could be a little tighter, but acting is great. They use the R word a lot. Well, they use it... <laughs> Didn't like that. ...a couple times. I understand in context why they used it, mm-hmm. but there's never really a good excuse to say slurs. Yeah. But I agree. I think the acting is really good. I think the setup of the movie is really good. The twists are very unpredictable. Oh, yeah. It's fun to watch. Yeah, it's a fun time. I'm gonna assume we both gave it a one on the horror struck. Yeah. It's not really like a horror horror. It's like a psychological movie. Yeah, for sure. It is kind of like the worst case scenario of what would happen when you go, when your boss invites you out to, to dinner with the wife. Have I ever had a boss that I think would do anything like this though? <laughs> I've liked most of my bosses, so I think I'm okay. Yeah, that's true. I like a corporate boss. Like I feel like if you worked a corporate job. If Laura Carrot from Giant Eagle asked me to dinner, be like, why don't you pay us more? Stop it, Laura Carrot. Is that why her last name's Carrot? Is that why she decided to be a CEO of a grocery store? No, it's Carrot like the like the gold kind. Oh, that's lame. So like with a K. I know. It should just be carrot like the vegetable because you work at a grocery store. Well, you don't work at a grocery store. You just exploit people who do. Somebody must have made like a golden... Golden carrot? The grocery store awards? This is my 14 carrot carrot. Oh my god. (laughs) If they haven't, they should. What are we watching next week? I genuinely don't know the answer. Next week, we are doing the 2020 film The Lodge. And this will be a fun revisit for Riley and I, because both of us did not like this movie. So we're going to see if maybe with some space, maybe we'll change our minds. I don't think I'm going to change my mind. Our reason for hating the movie is very specific, and it's it's nothing to do with the, like the, how the movie is like made or anything. Oh, no, I think it's made perfectly fine. I think the acting is fine. I just think... The kids are ridiculous! A little bit. Too much. And the uh, very first scene of the movie is incredibly jarring, so I think once that happened, I was like, I'm gonna hate this. I didn't actually mind mind that, but I, yeah, I, yeah. Okay, we'll talk about it next week. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. All right, horror fans, thank you for listening to this week's episode of Horror Struck. If you want to hear more from us, you can head on over to Twitter and Instagram, where we are at HorrorStruckPod. Or you can check us out on Facebook at Horrorstruck Podcast. If you have any movie recommendations, you can go ahead and tweet those at us and give it your very own Horrorstruck rating. Until next time, horror fans, remember, stay spooky. Bye! Bye.